Welcome back to the Park Hills podcast, everyone. And again, we're going to be on the subject of depression and and how we work our way through it in, in some of these struggles. If you've been with us, we've been talking about the subject of, of depression. And, you know, I think it's, it's good to, to kind of go back and reiterate some of the reasons why we do this and, and uh, what we're actually trying to accomplish. Uh, from the pastoral perspective, I can tell you that um, without breaking any confidence, that so often what I encounter in the counseling arena in, in, the pa- in the pastorate and in the church is that sometimes these are very practical problems that are, are sin-related or, or whatever, or relational problems that, that we can work through. Other times there's just some issues that don't seem to have an explanation and they don't seem to be tied to sin or tied to bad behavior, but, but more of these are more along the lines of of issues that are related to mental emotional struggles and quite often I think find their root in depression and uh, this little speaks a little bit to what we're trying to accomplish here would you agree Pete yeah I would Mark um, we've titled this whole series um, depression a dark and lonely place and in the past episodes we've talked about how um, that term has actually been used by people um, by authors, by uh, others, um, even in the Christian realm, talk about that darkness. And one of the things that you and I have discussed in these times together is the fact that that darkness seems to be something that's very hard to reach. We cannot find our way out of it easily, and it blocks the joys of life from coming through into our own experience. And um, I think that it's healthy, it's very healthy to have discussions like this. We don't pretend, you and I, to know all of the ins and outs of depression. To the contrary, we are not professionals medically, and frankly, we don't have any more answers than any other person might have with one exception, and that is we've been through it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to say that. And, and to understand that it, it manifests itself different in, in different occasions. And again, I think it, we mentioned this before, and I think it's worth clarifying. There, there's a difference between being discouraged or unhappy based upon uh, current circumstances or maybe even not even confusing sort of that conviction that sin brings um, you know, and the emotions that go along with that. Again, we're not just talking about fleeting emotions that, that are tied to something directly. So often depression is, is there's inexplicable in, in that we don't really know why it can't be shaken. And, and, and it, it, it's important, again, I think, to address that from the standpoint of I think a lot of people uh, who struggle with depression also feel a lot of guilt related to it. And I think that kind of speaks to a little bit to what we're trying to accomplish as well, what we're doing here. I would agree. 
Um, you can feel guilt. You can feel shame. You can feel confusion. Uh, you can feel a helplessness because if you don't fully understand that you're dealing with a different animal than maybe you've dealt with at other places in your life, and if the people around you don't understand that you're dealing with a separate animal, something they probably have never experienced and don't really understand what to do with, uh, you can easily find yourself piling discouragement upon discouragement and feeling very isolated. Yeah, I think that's a good subject to talk about, and we'll get there in a moment, too, about how interacting with other people in that regard, because it is difficult, and it's so hard to understand, and I think um, you add being a Christian to having depression, and I think... At least I've been there at times where I've I've thought, well, if if I was just a better Christian, then I wouldn't have this struggle right now, or there must be something in my life that's wrong, that God is is allowing this to come my way, and and I I want to kind of go through the front door with that too because that you know that the whole subject of why God allows what He allows is is a is a you know, is one we don't have time to go into, but it's important to consider that too, because I do think that sometimes a depressive person uh, blames himself. It, it, and it, and it kind of goes along with that darkness you're in. And because it's so intricately, intricately um, involved with our emotions, it becomes a fertile place for things like doubt and for things like shame and for things like guilt because we typically want to be problem solvers. And if we don't have the answer, we want to go to somebody who does and go through the steps and get better, which is kind of the medical model of life. And it's good model, but it doesn't seem to fit completely the needs of the depressive person. And frankly, people in the medical profession will say that. They will actually say um, there's a limit on what we can do we will do what we can, and it probably will do some good for you. But um, there are connections, Mark, as you said, between what you can and can't do and between how, what you feel and what you're able to do. And that can be very frustrating oh, and, sure. and frightening even. Yeah, frustration is a good word. Uh, I would add to the list of feelings and emotions that you just went through, and I would add anger. Because uh, I, I get angry at myself when I can't shake it because I think, oh, you know, you just aren't, you aren't trying hard enough or you're not focusing on the good things uh, that God has given you or whatever. And, and this is a you, you know, this is you're doing this wrong kind of thing. I, I want to jump back to the, the medical side of this, too, and just... Um, I think within the Christian culture, there can be some, I would call them uh, extreme views that uh, Christians should never um, seek medical help or, or medicinal help. And uh, I'd like to hear what you'd th say to that, Pete. The reading that I've done, um, especially books that have been written by uh, Christian authors out of the last 10 and 20 years, recognize that there has been a stigma attached to depression, both in society and in the Christian community. And there, 
they're denying that um, that there's any validity to that stigma. They're taking it on and saying, no, what you're dealing with is a medical condition, not simply a lifestyle issue. And as a result of that, we're now seeing a call to open up the door to discussing this, both in our own lives and in the body of Christ. And I think that's only helpful. But I do remember, um, you know, the last half of the 20th century uh, was a large part. I lived through all of that, actually. And I do know that any form of mental illness was uh, was run from. Um, any sense that there might be something wrong with me mentally caused us to simply put up our defenses and say things that um, we're going to get through it. I want to do it on myself. And that that's one of the most unhealthy things. And it's compounded if you believe that the people around you, especially in your family and your Christian support group, your Christian community, if you believe that they're feeling that there's something wrong with you for getting to this point. Yeah. I think there's just a sense of a shame that seems to come with depression as well as having to have any sort of medicinal help for it. And I think those thoughts need to be um, pushed aside. And I, that being said, and, I, and I, I do believe that there's good medicinal help for people who have depression and, and those type of issues. I, that being said, it, sometimes it's a lot of trial and error to get to the right ones, and we have to be very cautious about that. That's one of the frustrating things about it. Um, it truly is trial and error. You can't stick a needle into your arm and draw some blood, which will give a profile of exactly what your medications need to be. Yeah, yeah for sure. Let's let's talk about, you touched on this earlier, about um, it really can be difficult for the people around the person who's depressive to, to know how to interact with them. And um and that can sometimes make the whole situation worse. Uh, can make people pull away from somebody because they don't. They're worried about saying the wrong thing, or being offensive, or making things worse. Or maybe they have said some things and they weren't received well. Um, so, what would you say, you know, to those people who are dealing with a depressive person? Well, I think the first hurdle is to come to understand the animal that you're dealing with at what it's doing to the other person. And that's compounded by the fact that the other person, the depressive, may not yet fully understand what he or she is dealing with. Um, but when you take a look at your life and you see all the good things that God has brought into your life, but you still find it difficult to connect emotionally with those things, then you begin to ask yourself, what is wrong with me? And it's at that point I really think that you can seek help. It's also at that point when you can become more open with others. But for everybody, it's a different journey. And what we're here, this whole project that you and I are doing, is to help people accept the fact that maybe we need to look into this further. Maybe I need to talk to my medical professionals and see what we need to do with this. Yeah. 
And it's hard to kind of go through that door with people and to even say, are you okay? You, you, you don't seem like yourself or you seem like you're struggling. Some of those key sentences could really open the door if they're done in love and done in trust. If we, when we, you know, have a relationship where we know the person who's speaking to us is truly worried about our best interest. It's not just because they're frustrated because they maybe got a, a response they didn't want from someone because they were, you know, and it's, it's not, you know, they're not seeking their own uh, ambitions or goals with it. They're truly doing it out of a, a sense of care. And so those phrases, um, I think, are pretty important to choose right because it's just saying, I, I've just been getting the sense that maybe I need to talk to you. Are you, you okay? What is it? And and try to do that at the least confrontational time, I would think, and, and showing that you've given some deliberate thought to it and also not... Um, not doing it in an attacking and judgmental way, I think might be that key to opening up a door to get to a good conversation that might actually lead to some plan toward help. That That's a good outline that you just gave. And unfortunately, history, um, personal history and history of the uh, people that I've read about and people that I've dealt with does not have a lot of those conversations in it, at least not early on in dealing with the problem. And I'll tell you this, that um, well-intentioned people, you know, um, spouses, um, family members, uh, others in the Christian community, even pastors, if they aren't aware of the possibility of depression and understanding what it does, it's simply not a giving up on life. It's simply not a taking it easy or using excuses. Um, but it's something that, as we've talked about, it has to do with brain chemistry in ways that we don't understand. A person who is dealing with a depressive and doesn't understand how to do it will do more harm than good. And there are several ways that happens. And yeah, there's some good phrases out there that get yeah. thrown around that can be uh, as hurtful as helpful. You know, e even things that are, are true, like God knows your situation or whatever, or, or God will care for you, and yet that doesn't necessarily ease the pain or it might even add to it. Yeah, and there are scriptures that we know well and that were written for good purposes that can be misapplied, even though they're true, they remain true in the face of depression. Things like be anxious for nothing. Um, if you take the position as a Christian that that means you better not be anxious, or if you're anxious, there is something wrong with your relationship with God, a faith weakness, yeah. Then you simply don't understand what anxiety or depression are. Mm -hmm. That's a good, good. That's well, well put. Uh, questions like "Where's your trust?" and really, that's saying, "Okay, this is a faith issue, right?" That that's a really tough one. Um, several years ago, um, when I was in the um, the early years of this um, serious um, depressive crash, 
that I'm now working my way through and hopefully out of. But I remember talking to a um, a longtime Christian friend, um, a person who I really respected, and he respected me, and we understood God's Word. Um, we understood ministry and so on. But even this person was capable of saying this to me. And that is, Pete, for someone who claims to know the Lord, you sure don't trust him very much. Mm. And I'm thinking, I know where you want me to go with that. You want me to understand that God is in control of my life. And we all need to be reminded of that. You want me to know that God ultimately has good for me within his purposes. The problem is, all of those things I had been pondering for months, if not years, and I had done my best to believe that I was trusting God, to believe that I understood submission to his purposes. There's a nice phrase that I picked up in somewhere I read, and that is, um, do not confront a hurting person unless you're willing to hurt with him. Mm. And that's tough, because most people want a quick fix. If you're, if you're ill, if you're going through some struggles, I want to be able to say something to you that will make things better. Um, but instead of pulling you out of the water, what I'm going to have to do is get in with you hmm. and feel the waves and see what they're doing and then lead you to shore. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to, to say that, to, to have it be a, no, we're going to, if I'm even going to ask these questions, uh, I've got to be seriously ready to do that. And I think that's good. I mean, obviously we want to use scripture to encourage each other, you know, and, and to use it right. Um, and I think that, I think there's a reason that there's a disparity here in the, in the way we would care for someone, let's say who's depressed versus someone who we know is sick, someone who um, ha has cancer or something. There's this, I think there's an unspoken sense of you can't control the cancer, but you could control your depression. I think that, that some of that is in there. And so if you just had enough trust or whatever, if you just had enough faith, then you, you'd be able to do this because really this is a mental issue and you're mentally just not forcing yourself to do it. Uh, and, and I think that cr that's what creates that disparity because if someone has a cancer or someone has uh, some other uh, a heart issue or something like that, there's a, there's a little bit more compassion there about, wow, this is really hard for you. This must be a real struggle. Whereas in the depression, it might be there initially, but there also might be, a, you know, they're just choosing to be this way. Exactly, Mark. And as we talked about, I think maybe in our first podcast on this subject, uh, there is a balance that the depressive person has to face. And that is, you cannot simply fall into your depressive place and live there without trying. I think that that is probably what other people tend to think you're doing. And maybe you are. Maybe you are in a place where you feel entitled 
to other people's attention or you feel entitled to be cared for. Uh, that's a dangerous place because you have to balance your need for other people, your need for people's help, which is very legitimate, with the fact that, rightly or wrongly, this is your issue, and you do have to do what you can do. But that doesn't mean that you simply wave a scripture such as, uh, be joyful in all things or give thanks in all things. You wave it at that person and say, now, if you really think this is true, if you're really a Christian, you can be joyful. You can put everything together if you just try hard enough. So as we're going to do in all of these podcasts, we're going to talk about that balance. What does the depressive need to do to help move him down the road, even a few steps at a time? But more important than that is what can other people do that are not going to make that road even harder? Yeah. And again, I think when we think about so many of the other situations that people might be in, the I'm going to call them platitudes, if you will, spiritual platitudes are the right thing to do. And uh, someone who's maybe just focusing on all that's wrong in their life, well, okay, it's give thanks in all things. It's uh, trust God in that. And, and that really should be enough in that if that's just a choice or a decision to be that way. And I think that's where that understanding is, is that, uh, you know, the, de the, the truly depressed person is not choosing to be that way and i think there might be a perspective from the outside of that that's just this is just a matter of the will um so if you just willed your way out of it it would be okay and as opposed to understanding though no it's this is harder a little bit like trying to cure one's own cancer here you know it's 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 more than that and then wrestling that through with the lord and you know it it's kind of going a little bit of a different direction but as I consider my own faith journey over the years, um, one of the beauties of it is has been that I, I certainly see, uh, feel, or sensed a, a nearness to God in, in the high points, those mountaintop experiences when you know there's no depression and God's moving and you know the family's well and there's that closeness to God. But there's also um, just these wonderful, beautiful times that that were really hard at the time be it a, a season of depression or be it a, a time when, when things are going rough, there's a lot of stress. Um, but just knowing that God is with you in those. And I think it's, I think it's always the right thing to say to a depressive person. The Lord knows the Lord is, is with you, even if you don't feel it. Um, and he is faithful and I will be with you. I will I will pray with you through this, you know, and that kind of thing too. Cause those, I mean, there's obviously scripture is true and there's truths that really do, um, that can be an encouragement and a good reminder. But I think as long as that's presented in such a way as that, boy, if you just did this then you're going to be fine. Um, you know what I mean? They understand my di the difference there, be, you know, present the truth, but not present it as a solution to this immediate problem, but rather a grant, a, a, gr a greater foundational truth that says ultimately life will be okay because of who God is. And don't use it as a whip yeah. to maybe um, get the other person to uh, straighten his life out. Oftentimes in close relationships, whether they're 
family or friendship, over the years, um, tensions or conflicts are going to develop in any relationship. And those leave a little bit of wound as they go and can affect our point of view toward a person. For example, if you are dealing with a person, a good friend, for example, who um, has been known to be a little strange in his um, thinking or ways, maybe he's indecisive or maybe he's impulsive, um, that can create some stresses in the relationship. It's very easy then when you're trying to help that other person through his depression to fall back on those things and say, you see, I've seen these things all over our life together. And because of that, I know you've got a problem. And because of that, it's your problem to solve. Okay. Yeah. Kind of trying to put, put pieces together and make an explanation for exactly. it. Explain it away. That's good. Well, it's, there's so much here. Um, we've got more to share, obviously in the podcast ahead, but, uh, you have a scripture for us today, Pete? Yes. Um, I'm going to give us a scripture that we'll probably come back to in the future. It's Proverb 20, verse 5. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. I love that because it speaks to the depths of the human heart. It speaks to the miracles of um existence and and human experience and the things that we come to understand about life and the come and the things that we um, come to understand about God because you're absolutely right when you talk about scripture is sufficient um, everything about the Bible is going to tell us something that ultimately can be used by the Lord for his purposes and for our well-being. But getting to our getting to that place from our human understanding yeah. is more like walking through a jungle sometimes than just hopping from step to step. Sure. And that's where the deep waters comes in. Because fundamentally our emotions and our priorities, a lot of our reactions, our fears for sure, our joys they are rooted in things that have developed over our whole lives, experiences, teachings, thoughts, plus our own personal makeup. And that is what the Deep Waters is talking about. You may not be fully understanding at all what's driving your depression or anxiety or any other part of your life. The man of understanding is the person who will look at those things in his own life or the person that will help the depressive look at those things in his own mm -hmm. life and not simply give the uh, standard answers. You look at the, uh, at the whole account of Job, and we could spend several episodes on this, but if we point out Job's friends, Job's friends get an awful lot of bad press because of they were because of their tendency to challenge him. Find out the sin in your life. Certainly, God will reward you if you find out the sin, and we know that that 
was not effective for Job, and God ultimately rebuked that at the end of the book. However, what we sometimes fail to see is that Job's friends at least came to him and showed him love. They got it right for that first week. Sure. They just stood there or sat there and lived with him and heard him and exchanged things with him. And um, I guess the point is, if they would have continued on that road and been men of understanding, which obviously they couldn't be back then, but it isn't until the middle parts of the book of Job when you see a character like Elihu and um, then the Lord himself appearing um, to talk about perspective, those are the things that deal with those deep waters. And um, being a person of understanding does not come easily, but I really believe it starts with resisting the superficial. That's good. That's good. And I think, (laughs) I don't mean to make it sound silly, but I think sometimes what we need to understand is that we don't understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Frankly, the whole account of in the word of god the whole biblical account deals with that yeah so just wise enough to understand that we don't understand everything either about ourselves or about that person in our life but uh asking god to make us men and women of understanding i think um, i think it was john piper who commented um that um at any point in your life, at any point in time, God is probably doing 10,000 things around you that affect his purposes and in some ways impact your own life. On a good day, maybe you'll see three of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And, and it's okay. We don't have to know all the answers. Hope this has been helpful to you today. So glad you could tune into the podcast and we'll look forward to sharing with you again.